Jesus House in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting lives. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. Our Father and our God, King of Glory, we would like to say thank you. Thank you for every time this year that we have gathered as a family. Thank you for everything that you have done, everything that you have caused to be done through your word, and we are grateful. We pray, O oh Lord, that tonight as we gather to sit at your feet, that your Holy Spirit takes absolute control. We yield totally to the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and we ask him to open your word to us. We ask him to show and make clear Jesus Christ, and we ask him to cause us to be transformed, to be just like you. My Father and my God, we thank you for tonight. For everyone tonight, O oh Lord, believe in you for a miracle, and there have been many. My Father and my God, we ask, O oh Lord, that as we gather tonight, that you intervene for those whom you need to intervene on their behalf. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for everyone joining us by podcast, everyone who is tuning in, and everyone who is listening back to this message. We ask, O oh Lord, that you are kind and you are gracious. In Jesus' most holy name, amen and amen. Ladies and gentlemen, good evening. It's it's wonderful um, to be here. So ladies and gentlemen, what we're going to do is I'm going to read through. Um, we have, because it's um, the last one for the year, we're going to try and wrap a, little, a few things up. And we are going through we are studying we're still studying the book of ephesians and so we're gonna i'm going to read through ephesians one for us um and i'll read all the way to the end today um and i'll i'll tell you where our reference point is in a moment um ephesians chapter one and i'm going to read from verse one so ephesians one um from verse one the bible says the following paul an apostle of jesus christ by the will of god to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace be to you and from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed, or blessed be the Lord, be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in, the hev in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he has made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things according, all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted, 
after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Verse 14, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and a revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality, and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. And so ladies and gentlemen, tonight, as we and we are extremely blessed by this particular passage. And I hope that you've enjoyed our study of it thus far. And so, ladies and gentlemen, last week we wrapped, we we came to the place where we were going through verse seven. And I hope you I hope you enjoyed that. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Now, what I want you to do, um, and this is what this is why there's there's a bit of a change. From verses 8 to verse 14, um, when you read it, you realize how much God has done for us as a people. And so what I'm, I'm going to ask you to do by virtue of what we have to do tonight, and this, this is why I'm doing this. So from verse 8 to verse 14, I would like you to take that as homework. Now, this is an interesting thing to do in a Bible study. But when you look at verse 8 to verse 14, it explains what God has done. It explains how well planned it is. And, and what I'd love you to do while we are on a break, go through verses 8 to 14. Um, we're going to pick up the, the narrative tonight from verse 15. But from 8 to verse 14, and I would like you to realize how much God has already done on your behalf, when you look at Ephesians 1, we have a phenomenal inheritance and God has demonstrated his wisdom towards us. And you'll see certain phrases there that really should hold your attention. And what I'm going to ask you to do is while we're away, in a version of the Bible that you understand, go through verses well, go through verses eight to fourteen, and the re and it will become clear why it explains what God does. But I hope by now you've realized that God has done a phenomenal amount for us, and we've looked at different elements of the inheritance that we have in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so, verses eight to fourteen, I'm going to give you as homework. So please, you know, have a look at that on your own while we are off, and then we'll pick that up and we'll pick up the details in January. 
Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to pick up the narrative from verse 15, and then we're going to break this down. The reason I say so is there is so much that God has done for us that it's going to take a lifetime for you to understand or you to experience all the things that God has done so, all the things that God has done for you. But tonight, when Paul realizes that this is the case, that God has done so much for the Ephesian church, the church at Ephesus, so, so much. This is what he says, and we're going to go through his prayer tonight. And that will also set you up for your study going into um, while we are off. What I would encourage you, read the whole of the book of Ephesians. It is something that is just priceless. And we're going to dig into it in the coming year without a doubt. And so, but this is where we're going to, we'll pick up the narrative from verse 15. And verse 15 says the following. Wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Now, what Paul is saying, I, I, you'll, you'll see it there, it's straightforward. But Paul says, by virtue of how much God has done to get us here what he has done in Christ, what he has done through the blood, the fact that our sins are forgiven, the fact that he has reached out to us in all wisdom and prudence, that God's timing is perfect, he, the fact that he's given us an inheritance, the fact that this was his plan from the very beginning, and he has worked towards the fulfillment of that plan, whereby he brings everything, whether the things that are in heaven or whether the things that are on earth, all culminate they dovetail in our lord and savior jesus christ that's the plan of salvation for the entirety not of humanity but the whole system is saved through him now this is so paul says i understand this and based upon this i pray for you but then he begins to detail what he prays he begins to detail what he asked for, and that's going to be our study tonight. And so the first thing that Paul asked for, and it's it's this, he says, I first he says, I give thanks for you. And so ladies and gentlemen, let's also settle. Whenever you start your day, whenever your eyes open, start with thanksgiving, because God has done so much for all of us. And this is something that I'd like you to notice. Everything up to verse 14 is in the past tense. Everything, and as you'll notice as we go down, everything from verse, the, the second part of verse 18 to the end is in the past tense. So what that means, ladies and gentlemen, you have been introduced into something that is established. This is not being done, it is done. And all the way up to the and so when Paul says, I start by giving thanks, I thank God for you, and I thank the Lord for what he has done. But now let's look at what he asked for, because he realizes that this is a remarkable blessing. But these are the things you need so that you can discover and 
access and experience that blessing. And this is where he brings us to verse 17. And verse 17 says the following, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you, and then he begins to list. And so he says, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom. And so, ladies and gentlemen, the first thing that Paul prays for, and if you are making notes, I kindly would encourage you to do so. Let's look at these three things. The first thing that Paul prays for is the spirit of wisdom. But let's notice something. He starts verse 17 by saying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you. Everything we are about to learn starts with God the Father. You cannot separate your relationship with God from what you are about to learn and from what Paul says, this is what God wants to give you. Please just keep that in mind. Let's start with the first thing that he asked. The first thing that he prays for is the spirit of wisdom. The reason this is really important, ladies and gentlemen, wisdom, when, when we look at wisdom, and we're going to look at wisdom in, in, in detail, well, in, in relative detail, we're going to look at it tonight in detail. The first he says, may God give you the spirit of wisdom. Now, ladies and gentlemen, let's, what if we were to define wisdom? Before we give a definition, let's see what the Bible says about wisdom. Please turn in your Bible to the book of Exodus, chapter 28, and we're going to pick up the narrative from verse 3. So Exodus 28, and we'll pick up the narrative from verse 3. And this is where the word wisdom shows up for the first time in the Bible. And it, and where it shows up and the context it shows up is very telling. This is what the Bible says, Exodus 28, verse 3. And thou shalt speak unto all that are wise-hearted, God is speaking to Moses, whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom, that they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate him, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. Now, the reason this is important is the first time wisdom is mentioned. And the first time wisdom is mentioned, it is that wisdom starts with the Lord and it is a spirit. So it is the Lord is going to fill you with the spirit of wisdom. So the wisdom does not start in your head. Wisdom starts in your spirit from your relationship with God. But what's happening here in Exodus 28, Moses has been asked, and I'm going to let the Bible tell the story, which will give the context. So when God says that I have filled everyone with the spirit of wisdom that they may make. So let's look at where, where this statement sits and it will become clear why wisdom is so important. Turning your Bibles just a few chapters back, please, to Exodus chapter 25, and we'll pick up the narrative from verse 1. 
Exodus 25 from verse 1. So this is the context that wisdom arrives in the Bible. Verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they bring me an offering. Of every man that giveth it willingly with his heart, you shall take my offering. Verse 3. And this is the offering you shall take of them, gold and silver and brass and blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen and goat's hair and ram skins dyed red and badger skins and shitting wood, oil for the light, spices for the anoint spices for anointing oil and for sweet incense, onyx stones and stones to be set in the ephod and in the breastplate. And then the Lord says to Moses, this is what he says. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Then he says in verse 9, according to all that I show thee, after the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the instruments thereof, even so you shall make, shall ye make it. Now, Moses at this time has been taken up to heaven. And the Lord is showing him, this is what the tabernacle looks like in heaven. I want you to recreate it on earth. And he says, for you to be able to recreate what you see in heaven, I will give you a gift and or I'll give a certain number of people a gift and that gift is the spirit of wisdom so wisdom ladies and gentlemen I, i've heard wisdom defined as the right application of knowledge and that's not wrong i i don't doubt that but wisdom in this particular context when you look at it in a wider context where it shows up for the first time wisdom is the ability for you to see and for you to process and translate into reality what God sees, how he sees it, and allowing you to translate. That means allowing you to make it part of your life and existence. In simple terms, wisdom is the capacity for you and I to think and function like God. So God says, for you to create what only I can see and for you to create only what I have created, I have to give you what I have. And the Bible says, God said, I will give those people what I have. And what he describes is the spirit of wisdom. And Paul says, for you to walk in the fullness of what God has done for you in Christ, the first thing he prays for this church. Now, remember, the church at Ephesus is up against the kingdom of darkness in a real sense. It's the confrontation church. Um, the place of Ephesus was given over to the worship of Diana. What was going on in Ephesus was literally full contact with the kingdom of darkness. This was Christianity under pressure. And he said, for you to make it, for you 
to be successful, the first thing Paul prays for is, may God grant you the spirit of wisdom. The spirit of wisdom, when given to those who were to make the garments for Aaron, the reason it was so important was when you are granted the spirit of wisdom, you have the capacity to think, process, and respond to things just like God, so that the results that you get are just like your father it's the creative element of our lord but let's keep going so let's get let's let's look at a couple of other scriptures that actually clarify for us what wisdom does so remember so please turn in your bibles ladies and gentlemen to psalms 136 let's let the bible tell the story psalms 136 from verse 5 the bible says if I let me pick it up, yes, I'll read from verse, I'll read verse five because we've got a lot to go through. The Bible says, To him that by wisdom made the heavens for his mercy endureth forever. So, ladies and gentlemen, wisdom is that element of God that allows him to create, that allows him to create what he sees. So when God says, let there be light and there was light, the Bible says it is by wisdom God made the heavens and the earth. And so we see that God says, for you to be able to translate this amazing, um, this amazing inheritance, which is real, but invisible, he says, I'll give you what I have so that you can introduce into the world what is a reality in the heavens. And he says the first thing that that is, is the spirit of wisdom. And so we realize the Bible says here that to him that by wisdom made the heavens. So God utilizes wisdom to create what we now see and admire. And ladies and gentlemen, the Bible says God gives it to you. And so this is really important. So let's wrap this up. So notice, wisdom effectively is the creative ability of the Lord God in action. When you walk in wisdom, you will create what God sees, what is a reality in the spirit, what is a reality in Christ albeit invisible. And the Bible says the spirit of wisdom gives you that edge. Please turn in your Bible. Let's look at two other scriptures to drive this home and then, then we'll move on. Please turn with me to Proverbs 24, verses three and four. And the Bible speaks about wisdom again. And this is, this is key. And the Bible says the following, through wisdom is an house builded. And by understanding it is established, and by knowledge shall the ch shall the chambers be filled with all pleasant and precious riches. Now let me read that to you in the Amplified Bible, ladies and gentlemen. Proverbs twenty four, read it from verses three to four, and I read it in the Amplified Amplified Classic. The Bible says the following: Through skillful and godly wisdom, is a house, a life, a home, a family built. And by understanding, it is established on a sound and good foundation. 
And the Bible says, and by knowledge shall its chambers of every area be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. So ladies and gentlemen, when God wants to build something, the primary ingredient that he says you require is the spirit of wisdom. And the beautiful thing is, the Bible says the Holy Spirit, who is the spirit of wisdom, has been granted to you in abundance. And so when we see that, and so what we realize, ladies and gentlemen, what's the first thing that Paul says? Paul says that may God grant you the spirit of wisdom so that you can translate what is real but invisible into your daily lives that you can translate your redemption. You can translate the fact that your sins are forgiven, that you can translate the fact that the blood speaks on your behalf, that you can translate the fact that you are now in Christ into your daily lives where you are able to introduce God into your everyday situations. So those people who don't know him will be able to see and acknowledge that he is God without any arguments. And so, ladies and gentlemen, this is the first thing that Paul says. Paul says, yes, you've been given a phenomenal inheritance. Yes, God has done so much on your behalf. But for you to experience it, the first con the first thing that you need is the spirit of wisdom. And that's the first thing he prays for. And so, ladies and gentlemen, let me drive this home by one scripture. Please turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter three, and we will pick up the narrative of verse 19. The Bible says the following. Remember what we said in Psalms 136 verse five, the Bible says by wisdom, the Lord made the heavens. Proverbs chapter three, verse 19 says, the Lord by wisdom hath founded the earth. By understanding hath he established the heavens. So ladies and gentlemen, we realize that when it comes to the heavens and the earth, the Lord utilized wisdom to create both. Ladies and gentlemen, you have been given that wisdom. He comes in the form of the person of the spirit of wisdom. It's granted to you. And we know that it is granted to you because it was granted to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Turning your Bibles as we close out this bit to Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1. I'm going to read Isaiah 11, verse 1, and I'll stop at verse, I will stop at verse 4. Now, this is the Isaiah prophesying what the Messiah will do. Now, remember, Jesus came to establish. Remember what Jesus said? He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, that I will build it. So for Jesus to build what we now experience, for God to do what he has done through Jesus Christ, listen to what he did. And the Bible says, Isaiah 11, verse one, and there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots, and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And the Bible says it shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. 
and he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears. Ladies and gentlemen, that means the Holy Spirit that sat upon Jesus Christ, that enabled him to do everything he did. The Bible says one component of that is the spirit of wisdom. And Jesus said that spirit, according to Acts chapter 1, verse 8, has been granted to you. Jesus said, and I'll read Acts chapter 1, verse 8 from the Amplified Classic, and then I will move on. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Amplified Classic version, and the Bible says, but you shall receive power, ability, efficiency, and might when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends, the very bounds of the earth. Ladies and gentlemen, what I want you to realize as you go into this season, as you come into, as you begin to realize how much God has done for you, I want you to also realize that he has empowered you to do what he can do. He has empowered you to literally be what he has designed you to be, which is the son of the living God. That's what Jesus gave you. And Paul prays for that at the start of his prayer. He said, may God grant you the spirit of wisdom. That means wisdom is available by prayer. You can ask for it. If you feel you don't have enough, you can ask for it. And so, Ephesians 1 verse 17, Paul says that the God, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the first thing, the spirit of wisdom. And ladies and gentlemen, we'll come to we'll wrap this up at the end. So that's the first thing. The second thing that Paul prays for, that he says will make all the difference, please keep this in mind, is and revelation in the knowledge of of him so when we talk about revelation and the knowledge of him let's we understand that the him that he's speaking about is our lord and savior jesus christ so when we say revelation it's the holy spirit who will reveal to you who jesus is what jesus has done who you are in christ that's what the holy spirit will do for you the Jesus, Jesus said it this way. Please turn in your Bibles. Yes, turn in your Bibles to John chapter 14, verse 26. John chapter 14, verse 26. And the Bible says the following. But the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the, the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things. And bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. So, ladies and gentlemen, the Holy Spirit is the one who will teach. He's the one who reveals Jesus Christ. But let's have a look at that in action. And let's have a look at why revelation is so important. Revelation is not head knowledge. When God reveals something to you, as we're about to find out, it starts in your heart. Revelation knowledge is the knowledge of God that you 
believe, accept as true with or without any evidence. But turn in your Bibles, please, ladies and gentlemen, to the book of Matthew, chapter 16. And I will pick up the narrative from verse 15. Jesus has asked his disciples. And so what we want to look at is why is revelation so important? But we will also be able to explain what revelation actually is. Matthew chapter 16, verse 15 says the following. And he's asked his disciples who do, actually, I'll read from verse 13 for just to tell the whole story. Matthew 16, verse 13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, whom do men say that I, the son of man, am? And they said, some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Verse 15, he saith unto them, but whom say ye that I am? So there's two things laid out clearly here. Number one, what other people say. But Jesus said, what really matters is what do you say? And only one person answers. And I'll read from verse 16. And the Bible says the following. And Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Listen to Jesus's answer. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. So revelation knowledge is where God reveals to you something that is in the Bible, something that is true, but he reveals to you, this is what Paul prays for, that he reveals to you who Christ is, what Christ is right now, and who you are in Jesus Christ. And everything else about himself, when you think about the Bible wider, when he gives you revelation knowledge, whether it be about the communion, whether it be about prayer, whether it be about um, whether it be about what's happening in the book of Genesis, whether it be about gender, whatsoever it may be, God will reveal it to you. That means he will uncover his secrets. But the primary thing that God wants to reveal to you is who Christ is and who you are in Christ. That changes everything. And so Jesus says to Peter that God has revealed to you who I am. Listen to the result. Verse 18, and I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Verse 19. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Ladies and gentlemen, what you realize is Revelation knowledge is so important because it gives you own no 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 it gives you not only does it cause you to know something 
but it also gives you the ability to use and use the authority that comes in that knowledge. And, and I'll give you an and I'll give you a few examples in a moment. But notice, Jesus said to Peter, because you know who I am, I in turn will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And he says, whatsoever you shall bind on earth will be bound in heaven because you know who I am. And whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven because you know who I am. But let's break that down. And so, ladies and gentlemen, what I want to clarify, let me read those verses again in the book of Matthew. Uh, but I'm going to read Matthew 16, verse 19 in the Amplified Classic. It clarifies something for us. And then I'll make the next statement. Matthew 16, verse 19. Jesus says the following. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind, declare to be improper and unlawful on earth, must be what is already bound in heaven. And whatever you loose, declare lawful on earth, must be what is already loosed in heaven. Ladies and gentlemen, when you are given revelation, it means you understand what is a reality in the spiritual that gives you the ability by speech and by prayer and by action to cause what is a reality in the spiritual to have an impact upon what is a reality in the physical. And I'm going to give you a couple of examples of what I'm talking about. And, and then we will, I'll give you a, an example to, to show you what I mean, especially when it comes to you understanding who Jesus Christ is. Turning your Bibles, please, to, Math, to Mark chapter 5. And I'm going to pick up the narrative from verse 25, just to show you what I mean. Mark 5 verse 25. Now listen carefully. The Bible says, and a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing better, but rather grew worse. When she heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may but touch his clothes, I shall be whole. That means there was something about Jesus that she knew that everybody else that was around Jesus did not know. And that's what revelation knowledge gives you. So all of a sudden, she realized that in this man, healing lies. And she said, if I can touch the hem of his garment, speaking of Jesus's ministry as high priest, that if I can just touch the hem of his garment, that means because of who he is and because of what he has done, I will be healed. She understood that by revelation. So now she comes in a crowd. Crowds of people are touching Jesus and nothing's happening because they are there for a variety of reasons. They want to see what's going to happen 
to um, Jairus's daughter. They want to see the next miracle. They don't want to be. They don't want to miss out. They want to see whether Jesus will fail. They want to see whether this one's going to be the time that everything goes wrong. They want to see whether he may cast out a demon. They may want. To, they may want to be there for bread and fish. We don't know. But notice, hundreds of people were touching him. But the lady who had revelation caused what was a reality in the invisible to become a reality in the physical. The Bible says when she touches Jesus, Jesus stands still and he says, somebody touch me. That means the person that touched him with revelation, the Bible says heaven stood still that what you demanded for, we absolutely have to give you because you know something everybody else does not know. And notice, she that had to be revelation. She had to. Some, God had revealed to her, this is what can happen when you touch Jesus Christ. So Paul says, this is the value of revelation in the knowledge of him. When you have a revelation of who Jesus is, what Jesus has won, what Jesus has inherited, what Jesus has made you, what Jesus has made available to you, the Bible says you have the ability to cause what is a reality in the spiritual to become a reality in the physical. So let me give you a couple of scriptures to wrap this up and then we'll move on to the next phase. Turning your Bibles, please, to Deuteronomy 29, verse 29, and then I'll make a... I, I, I'll make a statement if I may. Deuteronomy 29, verse 29. You see, revelation gives you the right of ownership. That means you can use what you know. Listen to what the Bible says in Deuteronomy 29, verse 29. The Bible says the following. The secret things belong unto the Lord our God. But those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of the law. That means when something is revealed to us, there is a right of ownership. That means you are free to use it because it's now in this realm. So ladies and gentlemen, what you begin to realize when you have a revelation of Christ as healer, healing becomes yours. That means whenever you are challenged by sickness, you have the ability to reach into God and see healing come. When you have a revelation of God as our provider through Jesus Christ, in any situation where there is lack, the principles and the rules of provision will work on your behalf. When you see Jesus as high priest, you realize when you go into the place of prayer and you make statements in his name, what you say will stand. This is because there is revelation behind what you are saying. And when we say revelation, um, I want I want to get this right before I go. Okay, I'm just going to use one more example just to, to drive home. I'm going to use a, a, a simple example so so that you so that you understand, please, ladies and gentlemen. What do I mean by revelation? It is where you come to believe that this is true of God. You see, every time 
in the New Testament where someone came to Jesus and they believed that this is who you are. The power of revelation knowledge kicked in because they had, just like the one we used as, as an example. But let me take you to one scripture that seems to make this simpler. Well, I hope it makes it simpler. Turning your Bibles to Hebrews 11, verse 6. Hebrews 11, verse 6. And let me, let me read through that for you so you'll understand how powerful revelation knowledge is. The Bible says the following. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God, listen carefully, must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So when we talk about revelation knowledge, when God gives you revelation knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and he won't give you revelation knowledge of everything. He will give you revelation knowledge of that which you need, that which you require, that which your ministry demands that which your work demands, that which your family may demand, but he will give it to you in small amounts because once you've got it in that particular area, God can flow through you. The Bible says those who believe that God is who he says he is, that he can do what he says he can do and that he's willing to do it on your behalf. The Bible says when you come to God like that, you come in faith. You'll notice everybody that came to Jesus in faith had a revelation of who he was, whether it be healer, whether it be deliverer, whatsoever it may be. And the Bible says they never went away empty handed because revelation knowledge, like the Bible says, says that now belongs to you and I. And so Paul says, may God grant you revelation knowledge in the knowledge of him in the knowledge of our lord and savior jesus christ because it is finished in him god's not adding or doing any more it is finished in him but we are here to express it we are here to declare it we are here to make it a reality are we together okay so that's what it means so that's how powerful revelation knowledge is so let's go to the next the next one. I, I'm, I'm going forward deliberately because I want to I want to close out tonight. So please turn if we go back to Ephesians one, the third part of Paul's prayer is as follows. The first part he says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom. Number one, and remember, all these things are given by God. So the spirit of wisdom is given. Revelation of the revelation in the knowledge of him is given jesus said flesh and blood has did not reveal this to you but my father who is in heaven revealed to you who i am allowing you to walk in the reality of it so that's that then the bible says the third thing that paul prays for is as follows the eyes of your understanding being enlightened now why is that so important? And, and so I'm, let's, let's understand something. When God wants to solve a problem, let's see where light shows up for the first time in the Bible. 
and will understand its context. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Genesis 1, verse 1, reading through verse 4. The Bible says the following. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Verse 3. Notice, the first problem God ever solves is the issue of darkness. Notice what he does. Genesis chapter 1, verse 3. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. When God wants to solve a problem, when God wants to introduce a change in your life, he will invariably send light into your darkness. What is light? Light is him. God introduces himself into your situation and everything changes. So ladies and gentlemen, what the Bible says, may the eyes of your understanding be enlightened. It means in anything that you are going through, there are two ways to see it. You can see it with your natural eyes or you can see it with the eyes of your spirit man. When that happens, things change. Why? Come with me, ladies and gentlemen, to John chapter 1. And we are going to John 1. And we're going to pick up the narrative from verse 1. We're going to read to verse 5. And what I want you to understand is this. Whenever God wants to solve a problem in any situation, what he will do is introduce light. Why? Because God and light are one. The Bible says the following, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Verse two, the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. Verse four, in him was life and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Ladies and gentlemen, whenever God wants to solve a problem, he will invariably introduce light into it. Where God reveals to you, this is who I am, this is what I've done, this is what's available. This is what I want to happen. The Bible says when God wants to dispel darkness, all he has to do is introduce light. And the Bible says the light of God is found in his word. And God and his word are one. And so, ladies and gentlemen, the Bible says that this is what Paul says. He says, so that you are able to solve any challenge that you may face. The Bible says, let the eyes of your understanding be enlightened. Why? May you see God in every situation 
that you face because how you will respond will change history let me um let me just expand that a bit so when the bible speaks of god enlightening one's darkness it's speaking of god revealing something to your human spirit but we'll have a look at that and that will that will bring us lovely beautifully to the end of this please turn in your bible if if you um to the book of psalms psalms chapter 18 verse 28 let's let the bible tell the story and the bible says the following the bible says for thou will light my candle the lord god will enlighten my darkness that means ladies and gentlemen whenever you are in a difficult situation the bible says god will lighten your darkness but notice what he does he doesn't chase the darkness away he lights a candle what is that candle now when we say light a candle he reveals to you who he is and when you realize this is who god is the circumstances around you automatically change because how you'll respond to them will change let me show you that in scripture proverbs 20 verse 27 proverbs 20 verse 27 the bible says the following the spirit of man is the candle of the lord searching all the inward parts of the belly so when the bible says god will light my candle to dispel my darkness what is he going to do he's going to tell your spirit he's going to fill your spirit with himself so you see what you are facing as god sees it causing you to act in a unique way that produces a miraculous response now there's i'm let me show you that in action turning your bibles please to acts chapter 16 acts chapter 16 i'm going to pick up the narrative now remember paul and silas have been sent on a journey they've gone for the lord they preach the lord jesus they deliver a girl from a horrendous spirit they've done nothing wrong and the whole town grabs them i'm going to pick up the narrative from verse 19 acts chapter 16 verse 19 and when her masters saw that the hope of their gains were gone they caught paul and silas and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers and brought them to the magistrates saying these men being jews do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive neither to observe being romans and the multitude rose up together against them and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them and when they had laid many stripes upon them they cast them into prison charging the jailer to keep them safely who having received such a charge thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks pause ladies and gentlemen if you and i were to be sent let's say let's say we were sent to 
um, another town to minister, or we had decided to pray for someone, or we had prayed for somebody's healing, and God answered, and the, the person's eyes popped open, they got out of the wheelchair, and all of a sudden, they attack us. They drag us to the courts, they accuse us of all sorts of things, we are judged unfairly, we are beaten, then they put us in prison, they don't just put us in prison, they put us in solitary confinement, and it's a nightmare. What that looks like is a nightmare. But when the Bible says God will enlighten your darkness, he causes you to see things differently than your circumstances, allowing you to respond differently than everybody else. So listen how Paul and Silas respond. The Bible says, Acts 16, verse 25, and at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Now, that's a crazy response. Your back is bleeding. You are locked in chains. You are in a completely dark prison. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. They may decide to kill you. And yet you are praising God in the middle of the night. That's because God has enlightened their darkness. How? He has told them something that everybody else in the prison does not know. And they start praising God. The response, ladies and gentlemen, is verse 26. And the Bible says, and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prisons were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. Pause for a moment. Ladies and gentlemen, this is what the Bible Paul is praying for when he says, may God let the eyes of your understanding be enlightened. That means may you see things as God sees things because your response at that time will change your life. And ladies and gentlemen, what I want you to realize, let me also, this is where I'm, 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 I'm going to bring it to a close with this. That's not going to be difficult. Because God says that I will put my spirit in your spirit so I can tell you directly what is going on. Ezekiel chapter 36, reading from verses 25 to 29. The Bible says that God, Ezekiel 36, reading from verses 25 to 29. I'll give you the reference, but I will not necessarily turn there. The Bible says that God, after he has washed us clean, given us a new heart, given us a new spirit, he will put his spirit in our spirit. That means when God wants to enlighten your darkness, it will not be governed by what's going on on your outside. It will be governed by what's going on on your inside. And ladies and gentlemen, the results of that are quite remarkable. Romans chapter 8, verse 14. The Bible says, they that are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So when the Lord causes the eyes of your understanding to be enlightened, it means you walk as God would walk to get the results 
that God would get against all odds. And so, ladies and gentlemen, the last thing that Paul prays for, and this is where I'll stop, I am, we're almost out of time. Paul says that you may know. Now, when the Bible says that you may know, it, the, the word know is throughout the Bible. It means to interact with something reproductively, meaning you can reproduce God in that particular situation. When you know something, it means in that situation, God can show up no matter what the circumstances are. John chapter 8, verse 31 to 32, and this is going to be our last scripture. And then said Jesus to those Jews who believed on him, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. Then he says, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Ladies and gentlemen, Paul's prayer summarizes in this. He says, that you may know. And then he lists all the things you need to know. The reason that's so important, ladies and gentlemen, is this. When you know something, it becomes part of your words, your thoughts, and your actions. The Bible says you will be able to reproduce what you know. That means as you go into this season, as you go into this as you come to new year, as you go to this season, as you go into the next season that God is calling you into, Paul's prayer gives you the tools so that the full weight of the inheritance that Jesus has won on your behalf becomes a reality and nobody can stop it. The Lord grants you the spirit of wisdom revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know. The results of you knowing are unstoppable. And so ladies and gentlemen, I join my faith with you. I know we're pausing and we won't be back until next year. So I join my faith. I hope you've been blessed. I hope you have had a remarkable time. I join my faith with each person and I pray for a specific miracle. May you, ladies and gentlemen, may you walk in the fullness of the spirit of wisdom, revelation in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you will see things differently, that you may know and reproduce the God you serve causing a fundamental shift and change in your circumstances. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Ladies and gentlemen, may God bless you. Merry Christmas in advance. If you are believing God for any miracle, I join my faith with yours specifically. May God grant it to you in abundance. Ladies and gentlemen, God bless you. And actually, Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. We'll see you after after new year may god be kind to you in all ways and in all things 
and we ask it in Jesus's most holy name. God bless you, ladies and gentlemen. Merry Christmas. Um, we'll see you after Christmas in the new year. The, the dates will be announced as to what day we restart. God bless you, ladies and gentlemen. Have a great Christmas.